0: Welcome to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese history and culture through historical Chinese dramas. We are your hosts, Karen and Kathy. Today, we are discussing episode 62 of Hou Gong Zhen Huan Zhuan, Empresses in the Palace. Or at least, the first three-fourths of this episode. As I'm sure many of you are aware, episode 62 and 63 have... An explosive a series of events that happen uh, or are transitioned very closely together so we wanted to make sure that we talk about that in one uh, collective episode instead of breaking it up so this podcast episode is going to be talking about the first three quarters of episode 62 and it's probably going to be a little bit shorter but let us promise you we will make that up in the next episode now let's get started in our discussion In episode 61, in our last episode, the former friend of our main character Zhen Huan, An Lingrong, was poisoned by her teammate Qi Guiren so that she no longer, she meaning An Lingrong, no longer has a voice. This was a huge blow to her because her singing voice was the key to her success in the imperial harem, or at least one of the keys to her success. It captured the attention of the emperor, and with it gone, he is going to have no interest in her. She needs to find an alternative way to win the emperor's attention. Otherwise, her living situation in the imperial harem is very dire. We start off episode 62 seeing that her maid, Al Rong's maid, is helping put some type of ointment on her person to lose weight. But soon, Al Rong passes out. News travels fast to Jin Huan's palace, where she learns that An Lingrong fainted because she's starving herself trying to lose weight. This surprises Jin Huan. Why would An Lingrong need to lose weight? Jingxi, Jin Huan's head maid, tells Jin Huan that An Lingrong has secretly been learning how to figure skate. This is how An Lingrong plans to gain her attention and position back with the emperor. Jin Huan, after hearing this, explains, mm, "Yes, this is a good idea for Rong, because ice skating is a prized Manchu tradition. Manchu emperors look very favorably on those who excel at figure skating, and every year there are figure skating competitions. However, Jin Huan doesn't have to prepare for anything at all." Jinxi is a little surprised to hear this. Why not? Jin Huan explains that skating requires extensive training and a strong foundation developed during childhood. How can Ling Lingrong have the physical ability to skate after being in the palace for so long? That's why she's starving herself, to improve her skating. But starvation will impact her beauty, so she's probably very stressed at the moment. Jin Huan then shares a medicine that could provide instant results for Ling Lingrong. It's called Xi one, And instead of preventing An Ling Rong from learning about this medicine, Jin Huan says that it is imperative to tell her. Well, to that point, figure skating in any sense, even in modern times, requires a lot of training. So yes, An Ling Rong has to resort to some desperate measures to be able to perform in time for the celebrations. Well, back to this whole Xi one. It's odd, isn't it? Why would Jinhuan Huan want Ling Rong to know about this magical medicine? Because Xi One again, contains large quantities of that all-important item, She Xiang, or musk. Sure, you'll be beautiful and thin, but it will harm your reproductive capabilities. After taking this medicine, you will most likely never be able to become pregnant. Our favorite uh, medicine is now back in action. What would this drama be without the all-important she Xiang or Musk? Interestingly, Chun Huan is not the only one to know about this medicine. I feel like this is, you know, plot armor so that everybody is on the same page. At the Empress's palace, we see that she has already sent this medicine over to An Zhong. And Lingrong doesn't give a second thought and eats them. She hates that she's being controlled in this way, that she doesn't have power over her body, but she has no choice. This is the best way out of her current predicament. Though, I don't know, do you really have to focus on figure skating? Maybe there was some other way to get attention by the emperor? Regardless, this is the path she chose, and she has decided to eat this very, very harmful medicine that will make her light and beautiful. If only this medicine exists today without the uh, harmful properties, right? And sure enough, the day comes for a wonderful ice skating performance during the height of winter. It is quite a grand scene with Manchu soldiers and maids creating a beautiful show. And it looks like the formations that the skaters go into actually do seem to mimic some of the paintings that depict. Qing Dynasty performances of that time. Of course, we don't know what bingxi or Qing Dynasty figure skating really looked like, but this is quite a unique scene that we really haven't seen in many other Qing Dynasty or indeed most historical Chinese dramas. I'm sure it is very complicated to film. I guess a key notable distinction from the historical paintings that I've seen are that the skates that the actors use, which... Totally makes sense because our modern-day skates are probably safer to use than the ones developed in the 1700s. As the show progresses, maids appear holding beautiful red plum blossoms. This scene is very reminiscent of Jin Huan's initial excursion into the plum blossom garden way back when she entered the palace. We see flashbacks of this scene and it hits the emperor right in the heartstrings. He even asks Jin Huan if he remembers that they first met on a snowy night with these plum blossoms. Now, here is a very interesting scene or conversation. As the emperor reminisces, the empress Huang Ho recites a poem with the lines Ni feng ru jie yi, rong yi cui chan. Does that sound familiar? These are the exact lines that Jin Huan recited when she was in the Plum Blossom Garden during that fateful night she met both the Emperor and the 17th Prince. Though, as we know, she didn't know that both the Emperor and the 17th Prince were there at the same time. We find out from Huang Ho, the Empress, that those lines were her sister's, the deceased Empress Chun Yuan's, favored lines when she was alive, and she would recite those lines often. Wow, what a surprise! and probably another punch to the gut for Jin Huan! This reinforces that from the very beginning, the Emperor only cared for Jin Huan because she recited lines that reminded him of his beloved Chun Yuan. Originally, we thought, oh, maybe it was because he listened to Jin Huan speak and was enamored by her uh, beauty or her voice. Nope, we know now that it was because these lines were said by his beloved late wife. You can see the smug look on the Empress's face, where she believes she has hit another landing blow to Jin Huan. Fortunately, Jin Huan is now at least wiser and less impacted by such revelations, as she even openly is able to state the similarities between her, Jin Huan, and Chun Yuan, thus not causing too much drama before the main scene arrives. An Lingrong at this point skates out onto the stage, or the pond, and performs a beautiful show. I'm actually quite impressed by how the actress is able to skate and twirl around, particularly with that heavy thing on her head. Some fun behind-the-scenes info for this scene. The actress for An Lingrong doesn't actually know how to skate that well, and they used a body double for the wider shots of... Ling rong twirling around and then they filmed Ling rong separately for the closer shots where she generally used her arms to act out some of the dancing movements you'll see that most of the shots are filmed either of her upper body or of her feet and then the wider shots she's actually sitting down on a box so that they could get the the framing of the shots for her arms and for her movement anyways After this beautiful performance, the Emperor is enamored once again with her. He rushes out to see Ling Rong on the ice and gives her plenty of praise. With that, she's now back in his good graces and is a favored concubine once again. All it took was some ice skating and giving up the ability to have children. Pretty easy, right? And uh, if you couldn't tell, I'm being quite sarcastic. If we notice during the scene, there are a few people also in attendance. This includes the 17th prince and Ning Guiren. But if we look closely at this scene, while everybody looks towards An Rong during the performance, the 17th prince is not really paying attention to her. Who is he paying attention to? Obviously, it is still Jin Huan but I don't think anybody really paid attention to that. And luckily for the 17th prince, that is the case. Because otherwise he would be in some deep trouble. After this successful comeback, Jin Huan is discussing this trend of events with her trusted maids, Jing Xi and Huan Bi. Jin Huan has taken out a prized jade bracelet with the intention of giving this gift to ling Rong to congratulate her for her newfound success. Huan Bi is not very happy, to say the least, about this turn of events, and unfortunately, her disparaging comments are heard by the Emperor, who shows up unannounced. Luckily, Jin Huan is able to turn the situation around by saying that they were worried about how the jade bracelet wouldn't be valuable enough of a gift to her dear friend and sister. What I love in these conversations between Jin Huan and the Emperor is just how guarded Jin Huan has to be for everything he notices. For example, the Emperor says, "Well, yes, the jade bracelet looks nice. I recently noticed a new coral bracelet that you're wearing." Cue warning bells in Jin Huan's head. She knows he's hoping she would gift that coral bracelet over to An Rong because that jade bracelet was originally gifted to Jin Huan by the Emperor but we know that this bracelet was gifted by the 17th prince so there was no way jin huan was going to give this up so jin huan skillfully changes the focus away from this coral bracelet to the fact that an ling rong generally likes jade but i'll just say this here the emperor does take into account that jin huan is wearing a coral bracelet so let's be reminded of this fact for the future in addition, the hilarious part here is that the emperor says he is comforted by the strength of the sisterly bond between Jin Huan and An Ling that Jin Huan would give such an expensive gift to An Ling Little does he know the truth of their relationship. I also would praise Jin Huan here because she does not let slip that they are no longer friends. She finds it to her benefit the fact that he, the emperor, believes that they are still very much best friends, and have been for the past several years. So she's able to use that to her advantage uh, now and in the future. The other main important piece of information from this conversation is that Zhen Huan requested for the emperor to re-examine her father's case that resulted in him being exiled. However, the emperor says that there isn't any reason to re-examine the case just yet, so Jin Huan will just have to sit tight. This isn't the ideal response that Jin Huan wanted, but there's not much she can do, at least for now. All right, what else is going on in the rest of the episode? Well, Jin Huan's younger sister, Yu Zhao, runs into the 19th prince, one of the youngest brothers of the current emperor. He's been around throughout the series, but never made much of an impact until now. He was more or less always a background character. Now, he is a strapping young man. Yu Zhao is also all grown up. She is a beautiful young woman, but has a rather hardened attitude towards nobility and wealth. It's probably due to her living in exile with her family these last few years, but when she meets the 19th prince while out in the gardens with her sister, Jin Huan, she is rather offended that the 19th prince would mistake her for another concubine. She says that why is it that every woman who looks at least halfway decent has to be a woman of the emperors? She says that she would rather uh, marry a commoner than marry into nobility. This greatly intrigues the 19th prince, or Shim Bela, who, out on a ride with his brother, the 17th prince, exclaims as such. The 17th prince is quite impressive in seeing things pretty clearly and actually agrees with Yu Yao. He says that it's not always that great being a prince. Look at all the people who have lost their titles and their lives. We're really nothing at all to be admired. Like I said, I really appreciate that he understands his current situation and that it's not always that great. Sure, you have wealth and power for now, but that comes with its own set of challenges. Unfortunately, during this ride out, it turns out that the 17th prince accidentally fell off of his horse which caused him to become very feverish. Su Peisheng comes over to visit Jin Huan to tell her this news, almost as a side note after discussing some other matters, but Jin Huan is very worried. Fortunately, Su Sheng can only tell that Huan Bi really likes the 17th prince and said she would be worried if she found out, but he doesn't know that Jin Huan is equally worried. And during the scene, Huan Bi isn't actually in the room at that point. After hearing this news, Jin Huan tells her friend, the imperial doctor Wen Chu, who was providing her a checkup at the time to take a look at the 17th prince's health condition. After all, his frail health was due to him helping her back when she was sick. He agrees to go visit him. When Huan Bi hears of this news, she is very worried for the 17th prince. Jin Huan actually tells her that she should go and take care of him. Huan Bi should and can do all the things that Jin Huan cannot. And so, with the help of Su Peisheng, Huan Bi goes to take care of the 17th prince. She does a pretty diligent job, but even after the 17th prince wakes up, he is rather cold towards her. This doesn't happen often, but right now I do feel quite bad for Huan Bi. She clearly loves the 17th prince and understands that her sister and the 17th prince are the match made in heaven. She basically watched them fall in love, but she still can't help her emotions. The 17th prince, to his credit, does not give Huanbi any false hope that he would one day love her instead. So there's that. But this is a tragedy waiting to happen. It doesn't help that The 17th prince is still unmarried, and at this point he's like 30, which is unheard of. So we will end the recap of episode 62 here. As we mentioned earlier, the remainder of this episode and the next episode are probably some of the most explosive and exciting episodes in the entire drama. So we want to combine the episodes and discuss them in one longer episode for the next time. Okay, with that, Karen, what are some interesting analyses that we want to discuss today? First things first is actually about this mysterious medicine, this C D1, that An Ling takes in order to be able to figure skate. This medicine, we don't know if it actually exists, but the key line that uh, we hear from Chen Huan is about how Chao Fei Yan and Zhao He De, back in the day, were able to dance on drum tops because they took this medicine. Now, if you recall, we talked about Zhao Fei Yan and Zhao He De in episode 8 of this drama. They are two concubines, some of the most famous in Chinese history, Zhao Fei Yan in particular, for their beauty, but also for their diabolical nature because these two ladies Cause the downfall of a dynasty. Now, one of the quintessential characteristics of Zhao Fei-yan is her ability to dance upon drums. And we even mentioned in episode eight to watch a clip of Tong Liya, um, a Chinese actress who portrayed this, uh, this character in a drama called Mu Yi Tian Xia, and where she was uh, dancing on drum tops. Basically, Jin Huan, at the beginning of this episode, when she's talking about this medicine to give to An Lin Rong, says that these two ladies took this medicine, this c z one, in order to become so thin that they're able to dance on these drums. The fact that this c Z one or this medicine has large amounts of musk also plays into the fact that Zhao Feiyan and Zhao Hulu, no matter how. Uh, favored they were by the Emperor at the time were childless, and Jin Huan said that no matter how much uh other medicinal ointments or baths they took, it didn't help either of them become pregnant. I just thought that was a very interesting tidbit. You'll hear this if you go back to listen to our episode eight. we describe this a little bit more about why Zhao Feiyan and Zhao Kdo were very dangerous, but again. Uh, interesting that Jin Huan would bring this up as a um, an example of how this medicine works. And finally, let's talk about Bingxi, si, or as we see it, a version of figure skating that is shown in the episode today. There are records of Bingxi si all the way back to the Song Dynasty, so some 1,000 years ago, and it was popular in the north. By the Ming Dynasty, bingxi was listed as an official palace sport, but ice skating or bingxi reached the zenith of its popularity during the Qing Dynasty. It was actually known as a national pastime. During the winters, there would be skating and archery competitions between the members of the eight banners. As shown in the TV show, The emperor would enjoy the spectacle and members of the imperial family would also participate. Ice skating or bingxi wasn't just reserved for the elite, but it was popular amongst the common people. Even up to the end of the Qing dynasty. There were still records of people skating in Beijing and there are actually photos of that uh, if you take a look. According to records, there were two types of skates. One that's somewhat similar to the current figure skates we see today, a single blade, and another that actually had two blades on the bottom of the boot. I don't know if they actually used boots, but it was two blades. Some popular events included an early version of speed skating, a modification of hockey, where there was a leather ball that was used for the game, figure skating, and actually ice soccer. It's no wonder that Ling Lingerong used this opportunity to gain favor. This would have been a sure way to stand out amongst the crowd. And I don't know how often even concubines skated, but I'll give her props for thinking of this idea. Obviously, in the show, you see that they're using modern ice skates and ice boots, but they're pretty cleverly hidden. I was actually impressed. You had to look pretty closely to see the toe picks and everything. But again, I don't think it would have been safe to try to go and recreate actual skates from the 1700s. I saw the uh, behind the scenes of this scene and it's really, really fun. They actually really did film this in the winter and this was actually, I think, one of the last scenes filmed before the end of the shoot. The lake was already frozen, so I don't think they needed to build an ice rink or refreeze the lake. Um, So that was pretty interesting and you can tell that they filmed it in the winter. Take a look at all of the cloaks and furs the actors and actresses are wearing for the scene. They all really needed every last bit of warmth because it was clearly freezing. Everyone on set was joking that the actor for the Emperor was a trained figure skater. When asked, the director was like, nah, no way. He's more like a trained faller. <laughs> The director then goes and finds Chen Jianbin, the actor for the Emperor, and asks him, Hey, I heard you can skate, can you skate? Well, the actor Chen Jianbin jokingly says, I'll wear a pair of ice skates, I told them to go find one for me, and I will skate for you all as soon as the reporters leave. Chen Jianbin portrays a character that's really serious for the drama, so it was pretty jarring seeing him joke around with everyone, but it looks like everybody had fun. It did seem to be a pretty tough day of shooting because it was really cold, but at least uh, we saw quite a nice spectacle for, for the drama. Indeed, always a good time to see these behind the scenes. Well, that is it for today's discussion. Again, a little bit of a shorter episode. In the next episode, we are going to be discussing the trial or the interrogation of Jin Huan and her lover. Hope you guys enjoyed our discussion today. We will catch you in the next episode. As always, if you have any comments or questions, please contact us at Karen and Kathy at chasingdramas.com or on our social media.